0: This is Episode 7 of Lymphedema Podcast. Welcome back for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. I hope you enjoyed learning about exercise related to lymphedema on the last episode. The great thing about podcast is that if you're ever needing a refresher, or in this case, some motivation to exercise, you can just go back and listen to it over and over again. It was a fun topic for me, and I hope you enjoyed it. This is an exciting episode for me. It's my first interview for the podcast. Frank Avalis wears many hats. He is the Wound Care Service Line Director at Natchitoches Regional Medical Center, instructs in wound care and lymphedema for the Academy of Lymphatic Studies, is a physical therapy wound care consultant at Louisiana Extended Care Hospital and at Cane River Therapy. He is also the author of the column, Let's Be Frank, featured in the print journal, Today's Wound Clinic. I first met Frank in April 2018, while attending the Advanced Lymphedema Management course in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, hosted by the Academy of Lymphatic Studies. While we were talking, we discussed we had a mutual friend who'd be getting married later that year. In April, I had no idea I would be creating this podcast, but by November, when I saw Frank at our friend's wedding, I knew he was going to be at the top of my list to interview. At the wedding, I mentioned to him that I would be calling soon to discuss an interview for the podcast— He was so excited and encouraging about the podcast that I knew I wanted to interview him first. That is the thing I noticed about Frank from the start. His love for the topic of wound care, but also his love for educating others. The unique thing about this episode is that most of the questions came straight from you guys. You messaged me or commented on Facebook and Instagram with your questions for Frank I didn't have to research or come up with questions that sounded like I knew what I was talking about because you guys are the ones who live with lymphedema daily, which really excites me because this is exactly the way I hope to use this format, finding experts to answer your specific questions related to lymphedema. I hope you enjoy this Q&A with Frank Avales, physical therapist, certified wound specialist, Fellow of the American College of Certified Wounds Specialists and Certified Lymphedema Therapist. This morning on Lymphedema Podcast, we have Frank from Natchitoches, Louisiana. Um, Good morning, Frank. How are you doing?
1: Good morning. Thank you. I'm doing well. And yourself?
0: I'm doing really good. Having a great day already. So I want to start today talking about wounds and wound care in lymphedema or lymphedema-related wounds, as the topic goes. And I had some questions from clinicians and some questions from social media. So we'll just get started and kind of go down the list. Our first question and something that I've been asked in the clinic is, what's the most common scenario you see related to the lymphedema wounds? How do they present?
1: First of all, I do want to thank you for having me in this podcast, because uh, this is something that hits home to me because um, what I see out there is regarding wounds in general is that we have best evidence practice, but clinicians don't really know how to apply it. Or we may miss the, the boat. We may do nine out of 10 steps, and that one last step is very important. So when it comes to wounds, I look at two different scenarios, okay? First of all, you may have a patient that has lymphedema that develops a wound. Well, the problem there is that if the clinician does not know how to take care of that wound, uh, most likely they may think it's infected. So the next thing you know is the patient is being admitted to the hospital with an infection. And I've been practicing for a long time. And I can tell you, I've seen patients that Mm -hmm. were admitted to the hospital and ended up with amputations where they didn't need to have that amputated. But the other problem that I see is patients that come into the clinic, or uh, to the hospital, and they didn't have lymphedema. What they had was a trauma, an infection, or chronic venous insufficiency that over time develops into a lymphedema secondary problem. So the patient will be coming to the wound care clinic or to the hospital being treated for the primary etiology and not secondary etiology being addressed.
0: Right. I know that I've had patients who they've gone in, For maybe uh, a bout of cellulitis and some of them, they've got a little weeping they couldn't resolve. And they've gone to the emergency room. And some of the emergency room doctors and nurses, they're just unfamiliar with lymphedema. And, well, we're going to have to just, we need to talk about an amputation. And my patients just run out of the emergency room terrified. Or they go to a, a doctor's appointment and they say, you know, well, we probably should consult about an amputation. You don't know what you don't know.
1: And you know what? um, I have a column called, let's be frank. And I'm going to tell you that um, we all talk about evidence-based practice or medicine. And when that came out in 2000, the definition of that was to use your expertise, your skills that you have now, and combine that with best practice or best research, along with new learned information furthering your education. And I can't tell you how many times the clinician does not have time to educate themselves. So, we're basing evidence based practice on what we know best, which may be way outdated. So, with lymphedema, I can tell you you mentioned that patient with amputation. I've seen it firsthand where an a leg was amputated and then the other leg was as bad, but it didn't smell. They didn't think it was infected. And you should see what that patient goes through when all of a sudden that other leg gets back to normal and he's questioning. That, that leg need to be amputated?
0: For clinicians, what would you recommend for basic wound care in their clinic?
1: I've been doing this for so long, and I can't imagine starting over again because it takes a long time. There are so many components to wound care to do it right. You know, the misconception is that when a patient comes in the door and they have a little hole in their leg, oh, we're just going to put something over, it's going to heal. But the problem is a lot more complicated. Because you know, when we look when we look at a wound, the wound is pretty much a symptom of a disease. So why is that wound there? Has to be question number one. Is it because there's vascular issue? Is it because there's a autoimmune deficiency? So when it comes to giving guidance on wound care, you know, the first step is try to find what the cause of it is, and then from there on, find out what factors are affecting that wound from healing. The next step is what do I need to do to that wound? So it becomes a threefold process where you're looking at to make sure there's no infection. You're also trying to prepare that wound bed and you're also trying to uh, take care of the exudate while controlling bacteria. So I guess to go back and answer that question is you, you gotta start with the basics.
0: What are some basic supplies that you would recommend to be held in a clinic?
1: That typically, it it all depends on the setting because there's some settings that the dressings are included in your visit. And some of these dressings may be expensive. One time we looked at, at cost of dressings per patient and it could be astronomical depending on how often you have to change it.
0: So for patients who possibly aren't able to receive care from a wound care clinic, what would you recommend for them? What can they DIY at home? Or when should they seek out a wound care specialist?
1: I guess the best way I can answer that is if you have a nice little sports car, you know, do you want your backyard mechanic treatment when it's very complicated? Or do you take it to the the, the expensive uh, dealer that you bought it from? because they can diagnose this right away when it comes down to people doing this themselves the best way i'm going to answer that is it's going to be based on their comorbidities or what else is going on with that patient so but irregardless what they have to know is what signs of infections to look for because if that wound is getting signs of infection they're going to need treatment by by clinician whether it's uh their primary or whether it's another wound care physician so from there it becomes um also skin care um they need to clean the area real well they need to address the skin so if it's dry they need to moisturize it if it's really too wet they need to put something around to protect the skin The next thing is they need to put the right dressing on the wound, whichever uh, they were instructed to do. And they're gonna need to compress because compression will help uh, decrease the drainage. And when I say compression, when they come to our clinic, we have to make sure that there's not another problem in the lower extremity, meaning that they have adequate circulation. And then we also want them to elevate. So can they take care of at home? Sure, but it's going to be based on uh, can the patient um, be trained properly and can the patient uh, be able to competently do what they're supposed to. And in my practice, maybe two out of 10 patients, I know they can handle it. Or maybe the family member's a nurse, but we need somebody to say, oh, wait a minute, something's not making progress. Get them to the next level. Um, And when it comes to wounds, it's such a science that we know when wounds should be making progress. So if we give patients and establish guidelines, you know, those taken care of at home, then it's a lot different.
0: You mentioned if the wound is too wet. Um, A lot of times with lymphedema, patients have that weeping. Um, How would you recommend that they deal with the weeping? Uh, How do they dry it up? And is weeping normal with lymphedema?
1: Let's just look at swelling in general, edema. Okay, when you have a swollen extremity, okay, I think of this as a hose that's connected um, uh, to the house, to the spigot, and on the other side, you have a nozzle that's closed, and you turn that water hose on. There's a potential for all that water to come out, but as long as that system is controlled, it's not. So when you run it over with a lawnmower and you create a little hole, then water's going to keep leaking out. So I look at the extremity in the same scenario. When the skin is not addressed or skin care, when there's a crack in the skin, okay, you have all this water wanting to get out or be reabsorbed back into the system. So with any adematous or lymphedema condition, all that swelling, all that fluid needs to be reabsorbed. Well, with lymphedema, the potential of that water weeping is there when it finds a way through the skin. So, so, is it normal with our patients? Yes. But what we can do to control that is to actually do the skin care and also compress. Compress those patients that have adequate arterial circulation. Because when you compress, what you're doing is you're decreasing the ability at the smallest blood vessel level to decrease filtration or decrease that water coming out. Now, is it normal? Yes. You may have to change the dressing. You may have to change the compression more often initially, but after a few days, I'm going to tell you that I've seen progress with that we've been decreasing, but you have to consistently address uh, compression.
0: So speaking on the topic of compression, Lymphopress is a pneumatic pump company, and I was reading through a handout actually from the advanced lymphedema management course, and that pamphlet that they gave us, it claims pneumatic compression at home will aid in the healing of wounds. Um, I know we talk about compression as far as maybe compression garments or compression bandaging, wrapping. Do you recommend treatment at home for the pneumatic compression pump when you're dealing with a wound or chronic weeping?
1: You've said it best. It says it aids in healing. Well, let's break this down. Let's just talk about normal patients that we see we have patients with swelling, okay? We know, and I can prove it because we have tests here at our facilities that show me the actual oxygen molecule transport the capillary level. And what we see is that on a normal patient, the distance between the blood vessel that's supplying the oxygen to the tissue and the actual cells that need that oxygen is very minute. And anytime you increase that distance, oxygen is going to take longer to get to that skin. So on any patient that you have swelling, the amount of oxygen that gas transfers to the to the skin level takes a long time, therefore decreasing the body's ability to handle bacteria and to, to allow oxygen to do its job. So when we decrease that swelling or that distance, Okay, then we're going to get better oxygenation and healing, and we need oxygen to survive. So, so going back to your question, when we can decrease that swelling, you know, things will help. But now let's apply it to our population. Okay? We talked about edema just a minute ago, which is nothing more than fluid in the tissue. Lymphedema is protein-rich fluid in the tissue as caused by an insult to the lymphatic system. So the lymphatic system can no longer be efficiently or be efficient in removing the lymphatic load. So now the swelling has protein. So we can compress that leg, but the only thing we're getting rid of is more of the, of the, the water uh, fluid, but we still have that protein still, still in the tissue. So we have to utilize different treatments, such as complete dead therapy to remove that protein-rich fluid to be reabsorbed back in the system. So with pumps, they work wonderfully if you use it at the right time as an adjunctive to the treatment that we're providing them. So you're looking at once the patient is in the maintenance phase, sure, you can use that in conjunction with the normal treatment for lymphedema.
0: In addition to external approaches to wounds, in your experience, is there a way to prevent wounds from a nutritional aspect, specific vitamins or supplements people can invest in?
1: That's actually a good question. You know, to heal a wound, you have to look at so many variables. Now, when a patient develops a wound it's because there's something else going on, something wrong, because the wounds are a symptom of a disease. And sometimes you have several disease processes going on. So when, you, when a body has the nutrition it needs, it helps with handle bacteria. It helps with um, uh, preventing um, wounds, but to a certain extent. Now, what I can tell you, is that the patients that we see that are not healing wants to have a wound, nutrition plays a big part in it. So for example, I see wounds that were progressing and all of a sudden the nice red granulation tissue that you were seeing now goes away and it's all based on nutrition. The other thing that I see is, think about spinal cord injury patients. I've seen patients that have broken down in less than an hour. Just because the nutrition was not as ideal, mm-hmm. so the fact that nutrition may not be something that we can say it'll you know, definitely prevent them, but it will delay uh, the skin breaking down if you have the right nutrition.
0: Do you know much about the keto diet? Have you heard about no, this?
1: No, no, I wouldn't consider myself an expert. In it, <laughs> but what I can <laughs> what I can tell you is that I can't well. Let me give you examples. Um, I've, I've had consults on wounds and the doctors are just racking their, their, their heads, thinking, why is this for not healing? And you walk into the patient's room and they have a, a, a case of Dr. Pepper. And then they have fast food in the room. So when we draw certain tests to see how their protein intake is, it's horrible. So protein is needed for the body to progress through the phases of healing. So it helps with collagen synthesis. It helps with every phase of healing. So it's not till we fix their protein intake, their calorie intake, as well as their hydration that these wounds start making progress. So nutrition plays a huge part. Now with lymphedema, the, um, you know I'm not an expert in nutrition, but typically what we recommend is a low-salt, low-fat diet. Um, But the protein intake is not really um, going to help uh, the protein in the tissue that we find.
0: I've wondered that myself. I see a lot of people who do the keto diet and they claim keto diet helps to decrease symptoms of lymphedema or lipoedema. I haven't looked at it from a scientific level, uh-huh. So. Well,
1: and, and when you look at it, you know, let's not look at it that way. Let's just go very basic. You know, your liver makes a certain amount of protein for 24 hours. So it's a constant protein production. And in the vascular system, you need that protein because that's what holds water. So as protein keeps being made, about 50% of the protein leaves the system. So, and it's just a constant homeostasis. So when we're not able to excrete the protein like we should, and we're retaining the tissue, the body keeps making protein. So, even if you have a diet, you need that, that liver is going to keep making protein. Now, think of those patients that have hypoproteinemia. they don't have much protein in the vascular system. So, that's why we start retaining a lot of fluid because. There's not enough protein in the vascular system to retain the water, so it goes out into your tissue. And that's why we don't compress those patients, because it's not, it's not a lymphedema problem. It's a systemic issue. That's why um, when you start talking about the protein intake affecting lymphedema, I, I'm not the expert, but I don't see it.
0: Okay, well, thank you for all of that. We are going to switch gears a little bit, and I took um, some requests from social media on Facebook and Instagram for the Lymphedema Podcast pages, and I had a handful of people who messaged me or commented with questions for you specifically today, so we're going to go ahead and jump into those. All right. And I do hope I'm saying this right. At PT from Instagram asked, the lymphatic fluid has healing benefits when it's pushed toward the wound or just by being drained around the wound.
1: I'm not sure that the lymphatic fluid has any healing benefits because, again, that's just waste products that the lymphatic is trying to get rid of, that lymph fluid. It's just nothing more remaining water, um, broken cells, long fatty acid chains, and uh, as well as proteins that are trying to leave. But when you are um, um, uh, using your techniques and you're moving fluid out of that hole, which is the wound, you're helping the body get rid of that protein-rich fluid. So yes, it helps. And actually um, there's, um, there's a, a friend of mine in, in North Carolina and somebody I've been talking to in Turkey and, and somebody in Venezuela and what they say and what I've seen is that when you do MLD and uh, with wounds, it helps speed up the healing. Uh, so so just draining that fluid out, I think is terrific and it does have healing effects. Um, when I did a lecture in South America, uh, somebody did say that what they're doing is they're doing MLD and they're using banana plants for dressings. So that kind of tells you that, that um, it's not the dressing helping them, it's more of, of what we're doing to the
0: wounds. That's fascinating. At Vera Limp Spain from Instagram asked that there are days when it gives her cramps in the leg and sometimes itches. Is that normal?
1: Let me, I guess my disclaimer is I'm not a physician and I'm not given medical advice. But from what I've seen in the past is that, you know, typically uh, when patients go to their doctors and they complain about cramps, um, the first thing that they think of is, are you hydrating enough? Because you have so much fluid going out, um, are you um, having enough fluids coming in as well as electrolytes? But as far as um, um, the itches, we do have patients that sometimes the drainage stays on the leg too long and they start getting um, a, a sensation that they have to itch because the skin is being damaged. Uh, so, um, and if sometimes it can irritate the skin, uh, which, you know, that's, uh, something huge out there is, is it cellulitis or is it stasis dermatitis? Is it something else? So I would say, make sure you're doing good skin care, uh, to prevent that itching.
0: At traveling trader from Instagram asked, how do you prevent the wounds?
1: That's a good question. Uh, that's multifold, and we can spend a whole eight-hour d- uh, day talking on it. But, you know, if you have somebody that has swelling, first thing is make sure that they have good arterial circulation followed by good compression. As far as preventing the wounds, if if it's arterial, they need to see a vascular doctor to get revascularized. If um, they have diabetes, we you have to make sure that they're controlling the glucose. As far as um, preventing wounds, again, good nutrition, also hydration, and good skincare.
0: Skincare, definitely. I I think we just had a podcast recently over skincare and just the routine and sticking with it is really a big challenge.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what? You know, something that just comes to mind as I'm thinking of patients. The other thing is, if you don't do skincare, think about those patients that have skin folds. That area will stay moist. So moisture will lead to a yeast infection, which will lead possibly to a wound. If you do skin care, and it may be that you have to put something in there to prevent uh, that area from staying too moist, you can help prevent a wound. Compression wraps. If you're applying them improperly, you know, you could start a wound. I've seen patients that come to the clinic, as a matter of fact, um, one recently. What happened to them was they developed a lot of swelling. Of course, it's characteristic of lymphedema, but it was kind of rare, and what this patient did was sat in a chair all day, so now the immobility created a pressure ulcer in bony prominences. So now we're dealing with unexplained lymphedema, with wounds, and then we still have to do our treatment. And that was interesting, because the cost of this was a tumor that was laying on top of a thoracic duct as well as occluding uh, both uh, venous angles or subclavian internal jugular veins. Wow. So that was a, uh, an amazing case, and he did end up getting better. But anyway, uh, preventing wounds, you just got to make sure you do good skin care.
0: And just to add to what you just said, for anyone who's listening and isn't familiar with the lymphatic anatomy, the thoracic duct is what drains your lymphatic fluid without the ability for it to travel up through the thoracic duct and return to the venous angle. That's what caused the lymphedema and the wounds, correct?
1: Right. I mean, I describe it more simply as that's your sewage duct work. Perfect. Uh, so, So yes.
0: So you actually just touched on at the only Barbie from Instagram's question. She basically said that she's not sure if it's related to wounds because she doesn't currently have them, but she does get a foul odor from between her lobe and her leg. She says, I'm a very clean person and this drives me insane. What causes a smell and how can I keep it from leading to a wound or infection?
1: That's a good question. Um, A lot of time you lymph, what we call lymphorrhea, uh, which is just protein-rich fluid that leaks out. Um, uh, It's kind of smelly and um, that's why we have to do good skin care a, a lot of a lot of clinicians may smell this and think it's infected so in reality what we should be doing is looking for the signs of infection is it red is it warmth is it is the swelling increasing uh, all those things but is just something that is also um, um, irritant to the skin so and with those patients we do a lot of skin care now, if the smell is really strong, they do make some dressings out there that will help with absorbing the odor. Um, or there's also some, some other products to help the that odor.
0: That's good. So you just touched on lymphoria as well, and that was at lympha's question from Instagram. She says, why does compression work while you have lymphoria?
1: Lymphoria is just the leaking of protein-rich fluid, So when you're compressing a patient, the lower extremity or upper extremity, what you're doing, you're increasing the pressure and you're preventing fluid to be leaking outside of the skin. So the pressure helps maintain the blood vessels from leaking out more fluid.
0: All right. Final question. And it's kind of a big one. So if you want to break it down into pieces, you can or we might just need to have you on later to talk about some more of these topics here. And this is, uh, Phyllis K from Facebook. She says, I'm a new CLT and I don't know much about wound care, but I'm interested in finding out her questions included. How do you achieve ulcer healing, preventing recurrence, and how to maximize tissue healing? So we've covered most of that. And then she asks, are there certain types of wounds we should not do MLD on?
1: That's uh, of course, it's a loaded question, but it's a great question. Um, When we talk about reoccurrence, um, I always interview the patient because we're in an area, we're in a, I guess, healthcare field now that we talk about having the patient be the center or the focus, patient-centered care. But a lot of times we forget the patient. So if the patient's not willing to do what they're supposed to, then you're going to have recurrence. You're gonna have problems down the road. So the first thing that I would start with this question is you have to make sure that the patient buys into it. Because if you're having to work harder than the patient, then you, the chances of recurrence is pretty high. As far as maximizing tissue healing, and I'm gonna skip around a little bit, but maximizing tissue healing, it's, it, it's all about the basics. When we get ahead and we start looking at advanced care and forget the basics, we are not doing our our job. Um, A lot of times we have to consistently do the basics in order to heal wounds. So the basics will be is preparing that wound bed. What's causing that wound from not progressing? Is it because there's no blood getting to it? Is it because there's a cancer lesion causing this? Um, you know, that quote they keep saying is insanity is doing the same thing, the same every time and expecting different results. So in wound care, if you're not making progress at four weeks, you know, we have to go back and look when it comes to lymphedema patients, you know, there's if there's uh, malignancy, you know, we're not going to heal anything that's newly found malignant. So with that, it's just doing the basics, making sure, you know, how the wound got there, and how we're treating it. It could be as easily as the patient is taking steroids, not allowing the phases of healing to occur. So just even controlling the medications will even help. Now, as far as certain types of wounds that we should not do MLD on, um, you know, there there's some relative contraindications. One of them could be, you know, um, it could be a palliative care you know, do they have cancer? Um, Sometimes you don't want to do it. Sometimes they're asking you to do MLD as palliative, but those are the patients we want to have an order and we know what the goal is. It could be just to have good and alive. Sometimes um, it could be if you have radiation burn uh, areas, you don't want to do MLD over that area. If the patient has an underlying condition, that makes it worse. You know, it could be patients with rheumatoid arthritis um, or patients with RSD. Um, There's an acute phase and a chronic phase you have, or inflammatory. You have to catch them at the right phase in order to be successful. So go with your gut instincts. It could be somebody just asked me a question yesterday uh, from across the country about lymph node transplant. It may be that you don't want to do MLD right over that and you want to stay proximal. Uh, it could be an incision, fresh incision. You want to stay away from that.
0: Thank you so much, Frank, for being on today and answering all of our questions related to wound care and lymphedema.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm glad that you're doing this podcast um, because there's the more education you can provide, the better.
0: If you enjoyed this interview with Frank, be sure to check out some of his other work. As mentioned in the podcast, he writes a column, Let's Be Frank, for today's wound clinic. On their website, he and Dr. Hetrick have provided a lymphedema handout free for anyone. While I was looking on the website, I also noticed handouts for foot neuropathy and chronic venous insufficiency. If those topics are helpful to you, check them out. Currently, Frank is working on an article for Joe Zuther on the topic of weeping legs related to wounds and lymphedema. I imagine this will be featured on Joe's website, lymphedemablog.com. Be sure to keep an eye out for that. Mother Teresa says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about wound care related to lymphedema. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.